You gotta wait for the build up. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Walking Together podcast. Another Wednesday here in the office, and we're talking about stuff, hanging out in the office. Today, we're going to be kind of following up with the last podcast that we had. Uh, we were talking about the question was raised what is the gospel? And leading out of sharing the gospel with somebody, then what what's that next step? And that uh, is discipleship. So what is discipleship? What does that look like? And what are some practical applications of discipleship? Oh, that was a question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. I thought it was the preface. I was reading the board. I mean, it wasn't really a question, but it was just a, I don't know. So, you know, last week we talked about sinner's prayer and and kind of gospel definition and how that, you know, seems like um, certain denominational cultures have have kind of tried to formulate the gospel, whether they meant to or not, but, you know, kind of the, the ABCs of salvation. And uh, that led to... Um, you know, well, if it's, if it's all about relationship with God and then with each other and God uses people um, to help you and to show you stuff, then um, sometimes in discipleship, it seems like as a church, whether we mean to be or not, we um, numbers and volume and conversions and, and baptisms really seem to motivate people, but you can't really track spiritual growth or maturity. So people don't really seem to hop up, you know, discipleship right. as much as conversions and baptisms. Right. And that's where a lot of people, I think, get lost and confused in, you know, well, I prayed this prayer and I believed everything I prayed. I believe God is who he is and Jesus did what he did. And, and, I believe in heaven and hell and I want Jesus in my heart and I believe all those things and I prayed that prayer, but nothing really changed afterwards. Right. Yeah. So then, then you start getting all this skepticism of, well, was that real or not? Because you don't have anybody walking with you and continuing to point you in the right direction a lot of times. Right. So does anybody want to hear the dictionary definition of discipleship? Do it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, definition number one. Actually, it's 1A. Uh, one who embraces and assists in spreading the teachings of another. Uh, B, an active adherent. I don't even know what that word means. As of a movement or philosophy. Uh, number two. Often disciple one of the original followers of Jesus. Number three, disciple a member of the disciplines of Christ. Read the adherent one again. I don't even know what adherent means. Just read it again. <laughs> Sticking to. An active adherent as of a movement or philosophy. Yeah. What's adherent mean? Yeah. Adhesive, well, adhesive yep. is, the, is, you know, like... 
you you're an like, active adhesive. Yeah, like when Jesus that holds two things together in the gospel, like where it says, oh, it "Let the yeah. the dust." It adheses something. Yes, you're close to <laughs> stuck to, just like when um, like adhere to my words, in, to my words in the gospel where it says, um, "Okay." The dust of Jesus' heels fell on the disciples' feet. They were so close to him, type I, of thing. I just, that that adherent word stuck out to me, part, yeah. partly because you didn't under you didn't know what it was, but the other side of it is that's exactly what a disciple is. It it adheres to things. To. It, it adheres God to a, a disciple. Yeah, adheres make disciples. Adhesive is ad, adhesive is is stuck to adhere is is same root word but more on the side of like cooperate mm. listens like follows holds to there yeah. are some adhesives you have to have like the because if you say stick to in my mind I'm just thinking you know yeah. like a but it's board. more of a yeah velcro and then th- that's not the true sense of the word because like Velcro, once you're stuck to it, it doesn't require anything of you. You just kind of just hang there. And it's the, we need to make a Velcro suit. Adhere is a little Can more than that. Can I wear it first? Yes. Did y'all do that in uh, middle school or elementary school? Y'all never had like the, the Velcro wall? I, I didn't. Yeah. Do Were you too big for it? Yeah. <laughs> I was too. I was never too big for it. Was, so well, it used to make I me was mad. Too small for the suit. <clears throat> but just the right weight. to Yeah, so like always the little people, they always got picked and I never got picked because I was like, I was six foot tall in fifth grade. See, we need to make, we need to make suits with bigger Velcros. And so I'd like jump the, and it'd be like... are bigger and the hooks are also and bigger. And i fall off. Yeah. <laughs> I would, yeah, I'd <laughs> be down for stick. that. <clears throat> and we could, then we could ha- hang heavy people on the wall like that. I think I weighed 100 pounds when I graduated high school. Okay. I'm sorry, I derailed I w- that because I just got really excited about it. <laughs> Velcro suits? Yeah. No, but it was just a good, it's a good explanation of the word. Like I need to do that. <laughs> that's what I, that's something I need in my life, a Velcro suit. And here it t- is more of a cooperation. It it takes effort on your part as well. It's not just a one, you know, stuck to as a, a adhesive. Um, well, some adhesives have like the the glue or whatever and then there's the catalyst that you have to add to actually make like it. epoxy like hardener um yeah yeah so that's that's kind of cool like how all those words and definitions and illustrations all kind of can be used and point to a relationship with jesus discipleship um and just how I don't know about y'all, but like I've, you've mixed epoxy or, or fixed something. And, and at the time you were doing it, you were like, I don't really understand how this works, but it's working. So I'm going to use it. And now coming full circle, sitting here, having a conversation about it. Like I realized like, just like the, I don't know the word, the full circle of that and like God gives you stuff like that all the time in your life visually to where you don't really understand all of it right now. And then, but when you look back, you see how God was just kind of leaving those breadcrumbs for you to like. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
carry on. Sorry. No, it's good stuff, man. When you when you piece all the things together that God's laid out in front of you to fully understand something, that's, or or better understand something, I should say. So that that's the whole. I think the whole point, not the whole point of discipleship, but part of discipleship is when you're a new believer, it's hard to know or see those things if somebody don't point them out to you. So if if part of being discipled is adhering or sticking to a certain teaching or philosophy, in this case we're obviously talking about um, the teachings of Jesus and the gospel, um, what what's what is important if you are going to uh, position yourself to help disciple somebody else? Because we're all I I think that we're never we're we're always learning, right? So we're I think we're always ourselves disciples. Um, then how do we you know what's I guess a characteristic of of discipling somebody else. <clears throat> what are some important things, I guess? So what are some characteristics of being a good disciple? Uh, may, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe some characteristics of being a good disciple and then also a good disciple maker or discipler or whatever you want to Yeah, call. so that would be just like your fruit, right? So the fruit of the Spirit, you know, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Um, somebody, uh, to, for me and everybody, you know, God it made everybody unique and and uh, uses people differently. But, like, when I notice somebody that has this joy, like, that is consistent uh, and somebody that doesn't, let whatever's in the world or around them really they don't react to everything or somebody that um has self-control that can be in the middle of the party and not and partying but not having to have something to to aid to make them party <laughs> and i always you know looked up to those people because i you know, peer pressure's a real son of a gun. Uh, especially when you're young and dumb and not saying that I still ain't dumb, but you know. Uh well you're young and you see a just bunch those of people, people having a good time. But you know those people like that that could get out there and dance and didn't care what anybody thought. And even if people were making fun of them calling names, they knew like these people don't even almost like Jesus like asking forgive them for they don't know what they're doing it was almost an attitude like that like they they don't know so i'm going to give them grace because they don't yeah. know and i'm still going to do my thing and not care yeah jesus dances like no one's watching yeah and so On water just to have that confidence not in yourself but in jesus and some people show that better than others but um that that really i think if I was, I guess, if I was a, a new believer and somebody said to me, you know, you need to, you need to be in a relationship with somebody, I would hope they would not just say that and kind of like push me out, right? But point me to people that have those qualities, right? 
And uh, I think John's got some scripture to. Well, I was. It's kind of. It's more off of. Uh, the I was when you asked that question a second ago, Jordan. I was thinking about how many people disqualify themselves before they ever even step into uh, the calling to make disciples because they feel like they don't have the knowledge or or the. Uh, education, you know, the education or the, you know, they, they don't feel equipped to, to do it, but God equips us for every good work. Um, and then I, I, I thought of Acts 4 uh, when Peter and John are in the portico and they heal that guy and the Sadducees come up to him and they're pissed off that, that they're out preaching the gospel in Jesus' name and healing people in Jesus' name. And then there's in verse uh, 13 and 14, it says, now, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. That verse is probably top 10 for me because of what you just said, and it just reminds me it's not, it's not me that's going to do anything, and it's not my amount. Mm-hmm. of education or knowledge that is necessarily going to do anything is my heart and willingness to let God operate. Yeah. And that one really, um, that verse really gets me because, you know, I, uh, and I know it's all, it's all for fun. It doesn't, it doesn't really bother me, but it's still, I think the devil likes to use it to try to manipulate me that, you know, because I'm from a small town, because my accent is thick, a lot of people think because I talk slow, I'm I'm slow, not as educated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's call it what it is. And I, oh, I like hey to prove, man, I like you to knew what people adherent wrong. meant. Did you? Be honest. Yeah. Did you know what adherent meant? Yeah. Um, I like to prove people wrong, but sometimes you know the, the devil tries to hold that over you. And I would, a lot of people, one of the things I thought about when you were saying disciple lead, disciple her, is a lot of people don't want to be disciples because they don't feel like they measure up. And they're like, well, I don't want this person to be following me because I ain't got all my stuff together. And Well, and I think that's the key, too, is they're not following you. They're following Christ. Right. And ju- just like they said there, you know, they, they saw that they were uneducated men, common men, and, and then they realized that they'd been with Jesus. It was like, mm-hmm. they, they were like... Yeah, they, what what came out in the physical was that these guys are uneducated common men, but because of what was coming out of them, the people around them were like these people have been, these these two men have been with Jesus, right? Because they were emulating what Jesus practiced in front of them for his whole ministry. I have a question. Um, as pastors, does it bother y'all? after you preach a message and somebody comes up and says, you did a great job. Yes. And that's Always. all they say. Yes. Always. The reason I ask because like I try, I, I normally bring it up almost every time I preach, like I'm not special because I'm standing up here. I'm only thing I did was be willing. Yep. And it's not like, I, I hate how, almost subconsciously you elevate a pastor because you think he's something, you know, special. And only thing he did was die to himself. Right. And if you do it, the same things will happen to you. It's not like 
I mean, yeah, everybody's got a certain call on their life, but that doesn't mean one's more important than another. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I wish people very seldom people come up. I wish people would say, you know, I really thank you for being willing. I really connected with God today. I really, I saw God today. I got right. experienced God today because you were willing, not really because of you. Right. You, you know, but so b- before, before us coming together and, and the Holy spirit leading us into the journey group thing amongst us, um, how many of you guys have been discipled by somebody mm-hmm. intentionally discipled by somebody? I had a youth group with that, you know, as soon as we moved up here, it, I don't think it was done. I think there was, there were people in my life that pointed me in the right direction, but it wasn't intentional. It, you know, nobody ever said, walk me through the scripture and said, this is why we're doing this or even acknowledge that we were doing it. It was, and I think things should be organic, but if you don't, if you're not intentional or don't help, it's not just going to happen. Right. Right. It's, it's like you're saying, a relationship is a huge part of that. Like you got to be willing to walk through things with people. And we started into that conversation last week talking about how we've kind of got into this mode of, of getting people to say a prayer and walk an aisle and then, have a nice day, you know, figure it out, uh, in the American church and how that's like leaving an infant in the street. Um, we gotta be willing to walk through the mud with each other and, and meet people where they're at. And, uh, I think that's one of the tactics of the enemy is to, to distract us and help us feel unqualified or um, not good enough to keep us from stepping into those things. And that's kind of what I was getting at. Is It's just we've got to be intentional about walking through that with people, and especially somebody who's a brand-new believer stepping out of a life of sin and trying to repent and turn towards God. They need encouragement. They need mm-hmm. They need a building up. And, uh, and if we just leave them out there to their own devices, then the chances of them actually thriving are pretty slim. So there's two passages for me that just kind of, that I've had, uh, in the back of my mind, knowing that we were coming into this discipleship discussion, but the first one, it just rolls right off of what you were just talking about. Um, and I heard it in reference uh, in another podcast, and I was like, man, because we have we saw what it, uh, it was in the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Uh, and they had a special episode where they were talking with Tim Keller. He's um, one of the pastors up in New York City. Uh, arguably one of, one of the more difficult places to, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know evangelize, much less disciple people uh, in America. But um, one of the things that he said kind of, contributed to the fall of Mars Hill and not, not that it all revolves around Mars Hill, but seeing what can be an outcome of that and seeing not thriving, but death out of it. Uh, he said part of the reason that it didn't work well was because they didn't f- actually heed Hebrews three thirteen. 
So I'm going to read the context around in 12 through 15. Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be any of uh, be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage each other daily while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Because sin will creep in, it will deceive you, and tell you that there are better teachers to follow than Jesus. Uh, it'll harden your heart, but we have to encourage one another daily. Because one of the things that uh, the other passage that you know has been in the back of my mind was uh, when Jesus was talking about the seeds, the parable of the seeds, right? And if I can read that real quick too. Um, great cow, the Matthew 13, two and great crowds gathered around him so that, uh, he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying a sower went out to sow and he sowed some seeds fell among the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up, but they had no depth of soil. Uh, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and quickly choked them out. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. While you're reading that, can what is, I think it's thirteen twenty-five. Yeah. Can you read that? All right, twenty-five. Um. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, uh, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to them, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said, Then do, what, uh, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. So that just reminds me that like devil don't make, never take a day off. Right. And, and you have to be working hard and be intentional. Right. Because, I mean, it makes you wonder, like, the the lack of soil. You know, if we were to actually put flesh and bones on that, would that be people who were evangelized and then had no depth? There, was no, there wasn't enough soil. There wasn't enough encouragement and discipleship around them that they withered out quickly. Kyle, do you remember that, um, <clears throat> that message that that one... That, that one preacher at the convention did on that passage. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah, like, I never heard that that viewpoint on it, talking about the the weeds growing up with the crop, and the workers, you know, asked, hey, do you want us to pull it? The master's like, no, because you'll pull up the other ones also. And he was saying that, you know, one, before it actually blooms and ready to harvest, um, the, that certain crop, look just like the weeds like the yeah. you know before they're mature and start whatever and so the workers wouldn't be able to tell which one was which and the the challenge that this this pastor was saying was asking is like a lot of times the church the people of the church will pass judgment on people and and treat them like the weed 
when it's 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 God's it's God's um, it's God's place to judge, not us. And you know the workers. He he said that you know at the end we'll we'll sort it out. Meaning that you know it's 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 God, it's Jesus and His angels that are going to do the sorting in the end, and and it's not our place. So we treat we treat the 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 perceived weeds and the perceived crop the same, and encourage and disciple and you know try to build them up mm-hmm. instead of our place of just trying to rip out things that we think aren't worthy and you know all these kinds of things and just throw them away, you know. When actuality, we might we might be picking up, you know. A, we might be picking up something that's not a weed. Right. Um, I thought that that was pretty convicting for me. Um, their, their roots are tied together in the same soil. So, and that, that analogy, the, you know, the, those plants that are growing up, the, the crop that's going to produce a good fruit and the weed that's going to produce more weeds um, are both in the same soil and their roots bind together. So when you pull up one, it pulls the other up. Right. Uh so yeah, just looking at that in the context of the church and and how you and you're right. We it's not our place to judge where somebody is else is spiritually or what they're hearing or not hearing because you're not them and your you know your relationship with God and their relationship with God are two separate things. Um, you're responsible for the things that God's placed in front of you, and we're supposed to live simple lives as believers in that. And that we're we're walking out what God's placed in front of us and standing on truth. And I think of the, I don't remember what the scripture is right offhand, but Bobby quoted it this past week about uh, talking about uh, blessings and curses, not, not, I mean, being a blessing to the people around you. Um, it's not that you are speaking a blessing over the person that right. you're in control of the blessing in that manner, but you are in control of the blessing and that the blessing that you are to, right to that environment. Um, you know, if you make a bad decision in, in a leadership position and you set up the group around you for walking in curses and opposition to what God has for you, uh, you're stealing blessings from them because those blessings are going to be consumed by the curse of uh, walking against God's plan. And, uh, and you're ultimately in control of what blessings and curses that you bring into the environment around you. Just like, um, you know, when me and my wife first got married, um, I, uh, I didn't really have anything, you know, it's like a bachelor pad, you know, but I didn't have any debt either. I was like zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we got married short, like probably th- six months after we got married, we started getting bills in the mail for Austin's schooling and her housing when she was in Charleston and all of this stuff that, uh, that neither one of us knew was there. Cause her mom said she was paying for that stuff. So Austin was unaware of it, but, because we came together now us as one ended up with $30,000 worth of debt that, um, me on my own that I didn't have. So when we came together, she brought, she brought the curse of that into our relationship. Um, not knowing it. I mean, she didn't have any control over that. Um, but, uh, 
but because as a result of that, we spent the next couple years taking what should have been a blessing to us um, and putting it towards canceling out that debt. Um, so what should have been a blessing wound up being a curse or consumed by curses, I should say. And we do the same thing with the people around us. When um, we're in a body of believers uh, and we're walking in opposition to God and we bring that into the flock, we can be a succubus <laughs> or, or we can be a blessing. So even though it was a curse, you had a decision to make, right? Whether to let that dictate your marriage or work through it. So not saying curses are a good thing, but you have a, a choice to, you know, walk with each other and walk with God and let God redeem that and use it or just, you know, let it, dictate your marriage and I'm sure it could have went the other way of it being causing division and or even ultimately causing separation just because of absolutely but that's the thing is like I, to some I mean whether it be dead or any other curse we all have that thing to walk through that's just a fact of life unfortunately but yeah I think that's a it's reassuring to know that other people are going through the same crap because mm. uh, that gives us the opportunity to disciple them in the right uh in a right way to do things right because discipleship is literally just following out the teachings of jesus adhering to him right and i think that that kind of brings in the importance of confessing your sins to one another right and you bring those things out into the light then then you can start moving in a, in a positive direction towards towards becoming a blessing in the community and taking what what was a curse and moving beyond that into the blessing that God has for you ahead of you. Uh, it's easy to look back into the mess and go, "Oh man, this is terrible. I'm here. You know, we're in this, and it's gonna suck." Um, yeah. If your if your sights are set on things above and your sights are set forward into the blessing that God has for you when you repent and turn towards Him, then He redeems the years that are lost. Yeah. So going off of that and kind of circling back around to discipleship, um, what is that? You know, we talked in the beginning about you know the whole reason we kind of continued this conversation based off last week's conversation why doesn't it seems like the church not just the gathering but church in general has a hard time following up so what what are some things we could do to facilitate that better i think it goes back to what john was saying though like being willing to wade through the crap with people right but yeah. most people you know it almost comes off as you know well i decided to take a step in obedience toward god and recognize jesus and and get saved and and then take another step and 
and get baptized. And, and then it just seems like, well, I was going to church before all of this mm. and I took a step in obedience and then nothing really changed. Y'all still treated me the same. So it just seems like it don't really matter. So I'm going to go back to doing what I know. It goes to the name of this podcast, <laughs> walking together. Um, I think that you can make discipleship into a program mm -hmm. just like you can make anything else into a program. And, um, life doesn't happen in that. Um, when you, when you unnaturally step into things and try to do things in your own strength, it always fails. Uh, God usually, that that's kind of a realization that I'm coming to. And as far as discipleship goes is like God places people in your sphere of influence that were meant to be in your sphere of influence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you you connect with people easier or more difficultly more difficultly <laughs> that's not a word or or it's more difficult uh, i just made up that's, that's my word difficultly um it's either it, it's easier or more difficult for a reason um not to say you don't walk into difficult things cuz difficult things are where we grow um but God intentionally places things in front of you and places people around you to do life with. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing life with people, you connect with them on a real level. You, you know who they are. So, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, the things that God's doing in their life, they know the things that God's doing in your life. And then you can speak into each other's lives. When you try to make it into a program and you're like, Hey, we're going to meet once a week and we're going right. to walk through these 17 things. Right. And, <laughs> and then it becomes, Another 12-step program. Another 12-step program, and we all know how those end up. Well, then you're just bypassing the the whole point because it takes time, and a lot of people don't think they don't have time or don't want to waste their time because of whatever, selfishness. Um, right. And so you think, well, this will be easier if I just make a formula or a program, and and then I can say, well, i we went through the program, so they should get it. <laughs> and then you take all the you take the relationship out of that. So, and, so I saw the fruit of that when we went from our journey group to replication of journey group. Um, when it wasn't uh, it didn't mean to cut you off, but it, in my experience, like when we made the twelve steps, it wasn't as successful and it wasn't as impactful, and people didn't really seem to latch onto it like we thought they would because there was it was more systematic and let me find four people whether i really know them or not or rather whether they really follow me or not and walk them through this thing and and they'll just it'll just happen and it doesn't really work. well i think the other side of that too is like when you make it that rigid of like here's this program and when we reach the end of this we're done we're moving on to the next one um that takes the relationship side of it out of it. Um, because then you reach the end of it and you're like, Oh, have a nice day. It's the same, same as well, same as walking aisle, say a prayer and have a nice day. It's just one step further and, and then abandoning them as a, you know, as a one-year-old in the street so <laughs> rather it, than a newborn. And it just puts off that perception of this don't really matter because you won't, you didn't really care to spend any more time on it. So why should I care? Right. 
And then I look at like the book of Acts and you look at the church in the book of Acts and there was like, it talks about, you know, there were thousands added to them, but then it also talks about them meeting house to house. And those houses in Jerusalem weren't very big. So, so, you know, that means that they were in small group connections with other people, with other believers. Um, does, does that mean that the synagogue wasn't important? No, because they still went to the synagogue together as, as a whole and worship together. Um, but the, the life and the discipleship happened in those small group contexts of meeting house to house and breaking the bread together, doing life together. Uh, I think that's just super crucial, like it, to walk through things with people and, and allow God to determine when the sending out happens or when the disconnect happens where he calls one of his people and places them in a different place or, um, or calls you and places you in a different place. And, and that divide happens in God's terms instead of us going, okay, we're done with this program. Um, you know, time to move on to the next four people. Well, that, yeah, I mean, but those, those 12 <clears throat> studies or whatever, I don't even like call them steps cause they're, they're studies. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it depends on how you treat it. You know, th- that's, I think those are a great tool Absolutely. to use to have that conversation. But if, if you're using it as the person trying to lead somebody through it and treat it as, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And then you pat them on the butt and say, all right, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's not, that's not its intention. Uh, I don't think. And then I've been thinking about too, just listening to you guys talk like, <clears throat> thinking about all the kind of what Jesus went through, you know, he would go around and invite people to follow him. And then people would, they had the choice to follow him or not. So in, in, in a lot of respect, it's up to that. It's up to that other person as well. Like, you know, if I have a heart to disciple people, you can't force it on anybody. If they're not willing to follow you or, you know, you're not following me, obviously we're, we're adhering <laughs> to Jesus. And then that person will in turn adhere to Jesus, you know, through us leading them, you know, in that step, but they'll, they'll be following us while we're following Jesus. Um, that person has to make that decision for themselves. Um, we can't make them have that decision for themselves you know, just like in talking about the, the 12 step program and, you know, like I, I've never been through it, but I've heard a lot about it and have friends that have gone through it. And, you know, they actually do have, you know, they've got the sponsor and stuff. I mean, that's a discipler of that thing. You know, they, they kind of, they model that, that whole deal. Um, but anyways, thinking about Jesus and, and the people that decide to follow him and decide not to follow him, you know, it's, it's up to that person. That person has to have a heart for it. And, you know, talking about, going to church and then having the small group connect groups, like, you know, that individual person has to make the decision on, okay, well, am I going to actually adhere to the teachings that this person is, is, is showing me and teaching me, or am I just going to just kind of take it, take it, but then just continue on with whatever else I'm doing and surrounding myself with other people that are going to encourage me and, you know, whatever. And then, you know, then you got the Sunday Christians that are, they just come to church on Sunday and then the rest of the week, they're just like, they're just like everybody else. You know, their, their life isn't reflecting uh, somebody that is adhering to the principles of Christ. Um, and so I, 
so a lot of things come to mind on that is like, okay, well, if you have a heart for discipleship, then does your own life reflect adhering to the principles of Christ? Like you can't disciple it. For me right now, <clears throat> the people that are most important for me for discipling are my children um, and, you know, and my family. And, you know, I always, you always hear this, this, this lie that, you know, a lot of parents, you, you hear parents say, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Mm. And that's like, that's terrible. Like, you can't do, <laughs> you can't do that. That doesn't work. You know what I mean? And, you know, if, if we're not more or less practicing what we preach, you know, that old saying, like, that our words don't mean anything, you know, like, and, and teaching my kids, you know, whenever I hear them say something that I don't, I don't, I don't believe that they should be saying, you know, my kids are young, so we, you know, we try to deter them away from potty talk and, you know, a lot of coarse uh, speech and, you know, saying things they shouldn't say and using profanity. I don't want profanity in my house. It doesn't, it doesn't mean a whole lot if they overhear me when they're in bed or, you know, whatever it, 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 you know, they can see me watching movies that have that kind of stuff in it. But as soon as I start having that as like part of my life and, you know, I'm using profanity on a regular basis and I'm doing all these things that I'm trying to say, Hey, you know, don't do that, but I'm doing it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't mean a whole lot. It doesn't, it doesn't hold a lot of weight. Um, you know, not saying that I do everything perfect. Um, you know, like, like what John mentioned earlier, you have to be willing to, to fess up to the moments that you fail, you know, being able to go up to my kids and say, you know what, buddy, I'm sorry. Like I, I did that the wrong way. I, I spoke to you the wrong way. You know, please forgive me. Um, instead of just being this total authoritarian where it's like my way is the highway. Like I have to show them that I do mess up too, so that they can, so that I can model that for when they do mess up, that they can ask for forgiveness type thing, which is hard to do. You know, as a parent, you want to, you want to always be right, you know, but, um, but like, I've been thinking about this a lot lately on, on, you know, are we, am I, you know, a, a good, a good role model? You know what I mean? Like, am I actually doing the things that, 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 that I'm trying to teach everybody else? And, you know, is, is the church in quotations doing a good job of that, you know, or are we just, is the church just a bunch of Sunday Christians and and then once we go out into the world trying to uh, to disciple other people, like who's gonna want to like it does it just doesn't you know if we're not if we're not living that life of adhering to the principles of Jesus, why is somebody else gonna do it? They're like, all right, well I'll just say that prayer, and then I'm, I'll be good just like you are. You know, you said that prayer, you're saved. You tell me you know all these mm-hmm. things, but but yet your life doesn't match up with adhering to those principles. Then. I'm using it hearing a lot because it's my new word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the rule like, is you're going to own three that times. It's like Sesame Street. Yeah. yeah. You know, today's word is adherence. <laughs> <laughs> now, so I think, I do think that's uh, a good point, Jordan. Um, so one thing that I was looking up uh, whenever we were first talking about disciple and whenever we first opened the podcast was I have to do it, the Greek word, right? So the Greek word for disciple is mathetes. The Greek word for teacher it is didaskalos. Sounds like a dinosaur, right? But the thing is, is um, it says in dur- in a mathetes, a disciple 
is not a didascalos, didascalos, a teacher. So it kind of takes all the pressure and weight off of us, and we just have to be the role models, right? right? We're just like we're not the teacher. We're we're all following the teacher, but that's the only way that we can disciple because that's what we were told to do, right? That's the great commission: is and go and make disciples. Is not go and be great teachers. It's go and make disciples, showing them, baptizing them, right? And that was that was Paul's encouragement to Timothy in Second Timothy two as well. So like in that he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in the sufferings as a good soldier of Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Right. Right. And who's the one who enlisted? Jesus. Right. It's not the disciple or discipler, right? Right. It's, it's Jesus. And so I think what you're, I think that was a great point of like more so than being a great teacher of, of Jesus. Like we, the best teachers are even better followers, right? Yeah. Yeah, they all. There's that old saying: the best, the best leader is a, is a, is also the best follower. I don't know what's the what's the exact saying. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like I a don't. servant leader, like being a servant leader, right? You know, like I don't know. I always see these little pictures of like, you know, it talks about a good leader and it shows the picture of the leader that's like pointing down and like yeah. yelling at the person, and then the person that's leading by example of getting actually getting in the trenches with the people, right? You know, and that's that shows a lot more not saying that you get down and and get involved with everything that everybody's doing but you know don't be afraid to to go and you know sit down with with somebody who's going through a hard time and and um right it's just it's important that christ is at the head of the church because if you're following a man the moment the man takes his eyes off of the father which will happen which blind leading the blind will always happen yeah Uh, um, then then everybody's off 70 percent of the time all the time (laughs) So, but that's the thing that keeps coming up for me is like that it it goes back to what you were saying earlier. It's like it's about doing life together. Discipleship is not a is not necessarily about finishing the twelve steps because tools are great, but if you don't use them after afterwards, then the tools were pointless, right? It's about doing life together and and letting discipleship be reciprocal. Like it doesn't just go one way, right? Um, it's a good use of reciprocal after talking about tools. Thank you. <laughs> but that's the thing is, because uh, I think your kids break just as much off of you as you break off of them, right? Um, and so that is reciprocal discipleship. Your kids teach you things. Yeah, I've already I learned that this morning. Your kids teach you how little patience you actually have. Me, very little this morning. <laughs> but that's the thing is, it's it may not feel like discipleship, but it is. Yeah, because discipleship is just conforming. What Miles teach you about preparedness this morning? <sighs> <laughs> well, see, so the thing is, is Kelsey already had everything prepared. <laughs> Really, it was more about selfishness and me wanting my peanut butter toast before I fed him, and so he started crying. Yeah. Leaders eat last. 
just saying. I don't know, man. When you're when you're going down on a plane, they tell you to put your mask on first. That's what others. I'm saying. Yes, I can't be helpful to others unless I. If you're hangry, how are you going to help myself. everybody? <laughs> I'm not me when I'm hungry. Chew it over with a Twix. <laughs> no, you need a Snickers bar. I can't remember which one it is. It's a Snickers. Yeah, I think that's the devil just deceiving y'all. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those hard things, like, you got to get, once you get to the other side of it, you realize. Uh, I heard, and I wanted to see if Kyle or John could explain this a little better, but talking about leadership and being a servant leader and, and how discipleship is like that in a way. I heard Paulo say uh, on the leadership podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, everybody talks about, you know, pastors or pastors or shepherds and uh talk about your flock and and he said it you're not you're part of the flock it's not really your flock you're right. you're a part of the flock just like everybody else and john or kyle do you remember that conversation or why he said that in talking about leadership like you realizing that you're a sheep as well, even if you might be the lead sheep, but you're not. Right. You're not El Pastor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Expound. Like, I mean, which part of that? Well, it just, in listening to what y'all are saying, just, you know, know realize your place in mm-hmm. that it's not all on you. Right. So you're talking about never thinking of yourself more highly than you ought? Well, that and in in discipleship and and p- part of what this conversation was That's about a biblical principle, by the way, <laughs> just uh, knowing that it's not necessarily on you, which right. takes part of the weight off you, which is part of the reason Jesus said, you know, take my yoke because it's easy and my burden's light, because He's the one that's going to do something, and if you put that weight on yourself of this it's upon me to to lead shepherd staff these sheep all the time then sooner or later you're gonna fail right and so if people start elevating you to that position they're you're misplacing their hope mm. At that point, you point them to the shepherd. That's right. <clears throat> not, not Kyle. And so then, well, a lot of <laughs> a lot of bad things come out of that, right? Because then you feel like you have to hide if right. you do fail because of the expectations, right? And I think that's where a lot of moral failures come out of the church. And then the only thing that does is fuel the fire for the people that don't believe or are skeptical or, or think you don't care anyway. Absolutely. All that to say, discipleship is important. We can't leave people, uh, can't leave them behind. Evangelism is important. Discipleship is just as important. Go and make disciples of all nations. Well, I like the I, I like the end of it, and it and it uh, so often gets left out. Uh, teaching them to follow all that I've commanded you. Right. That's like the end part of it. And know that I'm with you always, even yeah. to the end of the age. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's not. It's not just the. A lot of people get caught up on the just the uh, go and baptize and save people. They leave out the teaching them. Teaching them is the discipling them to follow the commandments and and then knowing to that he is with you always, meaning that he's the one that's going to help you always. Right. Yeah. Good stuff. And just to clarify, I was just joking with the eaters. Eat, the leaders eat last. The eaters eat last. <laughs> the eaters should eat last. <laughs> no, no. The eaters. <laughs> the eaters. The purple people eaters. No. No, I had. I'm telling you, it would not have been good if I didn't get my peanut butter toast. So when you you were talking about the uh, the parable of the sower, I have a funny story. Uh, uh, I was trying to share that that uh, parable with some kids in Panama and in, in Spanish and um, <clears throat> oh, no. and uh, sower is sembrador and I told him I said okay guys today we're gonna learn about the it's called a parabola is a parable parabola parabola del sombrero and sombrero is hat so I was telling him, hey guys today we're gonna learn about the parable of the hatter <laughs> <laughs> or of the hat and they all looked at me like never heard this one yeah but they were like they were like ready to learn right and then one of the like an adult was in the back and he was just like (laughs) shaking his head be like no that's not it and i looked at him and i saw him shaking his head i was like it's not sombrero and he's like no then i actually looked at my bible i was like oh yeah wrong word (laughs) so your words do make a big difference you got to make sure that you adhere to the principles of jesus and not your own understanding one of one of my (laughs) teachers in school because i did dvd classes she was talking about how they were talking um she went on a missions trip and her husband got to preach she was uh, he was talking about how uh um he was trying to say sin is bad pecado but he was saying pescado yeah and they were in a fishing village the fish is bad the fish is bad (laughs) yeah and so they just saw the whole congregation just, huh? Yeah. Thought it was a new stinky biblical fish. teaching from America. The teaching of the stinky fish. That's right. This guy came and led worship one time in Panama, and, you know, the song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. In, in Spanish, it's Abre Mis Ojos. He was saying, Abre Mis Ochos, Open the Eights. <laughs> he had the whole church singing, Open the Eights of My Heart, Lord. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> I don't. I guess they thought it was something like crazy, like super spiritual. But they were like, "Abre mi so Cristo." Like, oh my gosh! Open the eights. That's how we're singing it next time. There's got to be. There's got to be something. Something biblical about open the eights. But <laughs> that was pretty funny. There's a lot of. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> translation fails that happen. You know, it's, it's oh it's yeah. not intended. But I've I've been guilty of many of them. <laughs> well, I had to hear more. I tried to tell some guy one time, he cut me off in the water, and I was trying to tell him, like, dude, you gotta be careful, you could kill me, but I didn't know Spanish very well. I said, you better be careful, I'll kill you. (laughs) (laughs) He looked at me like, he was ready to go, I'm like, I'll cut you, man. (laughs) (laughs) I will cut you! (laughs) Man, you you gotta be careful, dude, you say the wrong thing, and you get in a knife fight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. It's a, <laughs> it's a good place to stop. Yeah, let's land this plane. All righty. Go ahead, Kyle. Cue the music. WD, WTPS out of here. 
What? WTPS. <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. It's been another good episode. Um, all about discipleship. Uh, glad we were able to follow up with it uh, on our conversation f- about the gospel from last week. Uh, I hope you got to enjoy it. I hope you got something from it. Uh, knowing that, fortunately, it's not all on us. That's some good news that uh, I hope uh, you learn today. Anyway, so if you have any other questions about discipleship, you know, because tools are good. If you want tools, we have tools. <laughs> Just go and talk to John. Um, there's a lot of good conversations that can... I, nah, John, John's not a tool, but he has tools. Anyway, thanks for joining us on this episode. If you have questions, visit us at gatheringsurfcity.com slash WTP. Yeah, ask us questions, listen to episodes, uh, find us on other, um, whatchamacallums, outlets, I don't know what they're called. Streaming services, that's the word. Man, I'm getting worse at this, guys. Anyway, thank you again for joining us. Catch you again next week. Later. I will cut you!